Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. Thank you, Scott. Well, good morning. You guys ready to go or you want to stick around for a minute? All right. Nancy's ready for lunch. No, I'm just kidding. Let's hear the word. Amen. Well, after what my wife just delivered, I feel like my job's done. She's on fire. Yes. So I'm I'm like back there trying to figure out, okay, what do I say now? Now, uh, I love her to death. I'm so privileged to be her husband and be encouraged by her. Uh, For those of you that are new, my name is Joey. I'm the pastor here, and we welcome those that are online as well. We believe everyone matters to God. And so we hope that your time with us today, you feel that, you sense that, that God brought you here because he wants you to encounter his heart and his love. And, uh, and we're so thankful that you chose to spend some time with us this morning. Today we're going to begin a new series. We often teach through uh, different subjects and series through the Bible. And I hope that this will not just be encouraging to you, but also informative and helpful as we look at our world and some of the issues going on today and kind of dive into the scripture to glean some wisdom on how not only to live in the conditions that we find ourselves today, but also how to respond in times like this. I think we can honestly say, I've only been alive for 39 years. Many of you have been alive a lot longer, but I think we could all collectively and unanimously say, There has never been a time like this with all the stuff going on in the world, with all the things happening in our nation and other nations. When you look at all the craziness, I mean, think about all the division, right? We're supposed to be one nation under God, indivisible. Right now, I think we are multiple nations under chaos, completely divided with no purpose or plan on how to work together. I mean, we're, we're completely divided. Fighting, slander, government overreach, spending. They just approved a $3.5 trillion spending bill in our national government. I don't know where it works anywhere else in life where you get into debt over your head where you can't possibly pay it back, and the answer or solution is take out more debt. They put people in jail for that. Military failures, political unrest, growing tensions in rival countries, the fallout of the pandemic. Do you see the job numbers lately? How do you spend the worst job numbers in history? There are more jobs now available, but not anybody to hire because nobody wants to work. We are masking our kids in school Contrary to all the latest science, we are forcing vaccinations on people. I mean, if you think about all the stuff happening, it just makes you want to scratch your head and say, what in the world? What in the world is going on? What is the matter with our nation? 
I think the most pressing issue we're facing today, and many have asked me, what do I think about this issue and questions about the vaccine mandates? And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the vaccines. Now, I'm just going to dispel this right now. No, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Can we get that clear? It's not the mark of the beast. You want to know what the mark of the beast is? Read Revelation chapter 13. In Revelation 13, you'll find out that this image that is mandated on the world that restricts people's ability to buy and sell is an issue of loyalty. Who are you going to serve and worship, the beast or Jesus Christ? It's an either-or decision. That's not what's happening right now. The vaccine today is not such a decision, but it's easy to see how governments worldwide are using the same tactics the Antichrist will be through the vaccines. So we can see how easy it will be for that one world leader to rise up in power and take control over all things. A recent undercover story I saw uh, by Project Veritas, they're a group that goes undercover to try to blow the lid on certain controversial issues and, uh, and they've been doing an excellent job, an excellent work. They went undercover to Pfizer, and a couple of scientists they interviewed admitted that natural immunity, scientifically, is far better than the immunity you get from the vaccine. And they even said, we have no idea why they're trying to push it so hard on people who have already had it and successfully beat the disease, other than financial. An extremely thorough study by the health ministry of the nation of Israel recently showed and proved this very fact. And Rand Paul, one of our senators in the United States Congress, he has been repeatedly putting these facts before the people. But yet there seems to be a push or a concerted effort to reverse and go the other way. To date, as much as I've been able to research and find, there is zero scientific data to show that survivors of COVID need to be vaccinated because their immunity is better than the vaccinated. So why the push? Why? When people can still get COVID again after vaccinated, right? Before the election, they were, the party in power was opposed to the vaccine because Donald Trump had something to do with it. Then their guy got elected. Now it's all that they want to talk about. And they're like, just get the vaccine and you'll be immune. You'll be immune. You'll be immune. Then they come to find out you won't be immune. And the CDC even changed the definition of vaccine to reflect to help with immunity versus to create immunity, which is a government-controlled agency. Why the push? See, the push to vaccinate every person seems a bit overreaching, more like a fascist power grab than a scientifically motivated initiative, especially when the people who are supposed to know keep changing the story. Every month, it's a different story. It's a different story, back and forth. The scientists in the undercover story confirmed that the way the government was pressuring people was not by force, because they they're not. They're, there's not been a legal mandate issued or decreed, but what they are doing is they're pressuring people, basically making your life miserable so that you'll make the decision to get vaccinated. 
They're putting pressure on the society until you get vaxxed. So vaxxed people get privileges, unvaxxed people don't. Vaccine passports get you on public transportation, on airlines, into some businesses, your ability to, to buy and sell. In some countries, they're imposing mandates to where you have to have an app on your phone, and if uh, they suspect you of exposure, you're restricted to your home, and if they signal your app and you can't verify you're at home within 15 minutes, they send police to your door. Australia is no longer a free nation in some respects. They're so locked down that they began to protest. And there were a couple mothers during the lockdown, they took their infant kids out to the playground to get them outside, and the police arrested them for violating the mandate. There's another woman in the news who posted her um, opposition to all the lockdown procedures in the government, and they came and arrested her for incitement of violence. So they're limiting not only your ability to be free, they're limiting your free speech. And we can see the suppression of information in our nation today, with as many people getting kicked off of social media because they are disinforming the public. The vaccine can today, in some sectors, also determine if you get to keep your job. What sense is it that you have thousands of healthcare workers work through the entire pandemic before the vaccine was available, get it, beat it, go back to work time and time again, now they're fired because they won't get the vaccine. It doesn't make any sense. There, there's something behind this. But see, that's how they're forcing people to do it. It's an, a tactic for control. And this is what we will see in the last days as the Antichrist begins to mobilize the world and take control over the, the world and the one world government. Those who take his mark will have a generally well um, to do life. Those that don't will be persecuted, even condemned to death. Once we accept this, what's happening in our day today as a new way of life, there's no going back. Think about 9-11. When the towers went down, they changed all the rules to how you travel and how you fly. And now everyone has to get zapped with the peekaboo machine. You know what I'm talking about? Before you get onto the airplane. You have no choice. Hold your hands out here. Suck it in. Hold your breath. And they take the x-ray. And we just do it because we understand it's to help prevent terrorism. So it's a mindset that's ingrained in our culture. And the same is true with what's going on now. We need to be aware of what's happening in our world, and we need to stop looking at things from a worldly perspective and view them from a spiritual perspective. And with this issue at hand, I want to address some things that the Bible teaches us to help navigate this and other issues, because this is polarizing the nation. It's not unifying us or making things better. It's making it worse. It's even dividing believers who should be united in the Spirit of God in our most holy faith. You see, I'm, I'm not on Facebook. I haven't been on Facebook for, for about two years. And it's a good thing because someone in my position, as I'm supposed to, you know, give voice to certain issues, it's really hard whenever you, you see somebody you're connected to or you're supposed to be serving post something that may not be 100% biblically accurate, and now you feel the need to go speak into that. 
but then you realize three people over here have done the same thing, and now you're speaking over here, and it, it becomes this back and forth. And so my life has been a lot less stressful since I've gotten off Facebook. It, it has. And, and so I don't know what side of the coin you're on depending on where you're at today. I'm not, I'm not here to argue for or defend either side, but I do want to give God's side. As children of God, as believers, there are things that the Word of God teaches us that we need to keep in mind, especially when things get difficult. Let's pray. Lord God, we just invite you into this place. And Lord, we know that these things can be sensitive. They can be hard to wrestle with. And it's hard to even know what is true. I'm so thankful that I can always believe that your word of God will tell us the truth. The government may lie to us. Leaders may lie. People of influence may lie. But you will never lie. You will always tell us the truth. So God, give us the faith to believe what you have to say. And let love lead the way. Let love lead the way. Let the spirit of Christ and the mind of Christ so fill us that we shine brightly as that city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Speak to us now, God. Encourage us in the Spirit. In Jesus' name. I want to speak to this division we have in the church over this issue. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, two believers. He says, make every effort. Somebody say, make every effort. Make every every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. God's will for the church is to be united, not divided. To make every effort, to not let anything break the unity, the, the, the bond that we have together. Colossians 3.14, Paul tells the church of Colossae, above all, Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Jesus told us that the world will know we're his followers, his disciples, by the love we have for one another. We can't let current events and political issues divide us. We need to make every effort to be bound together in peace, united in love. As children of God, we need not to be led by the world, but we need to rise up and lead the world. We need to show them how to do it. How we can have differences of opinion and yet still walk hand in hand together. To show the world we can disagree with each other but still be for each other. It's amazing to me how somebody can have a difference of opinion and then post on their social media, if you don't agree with me, unfriend me now. Where is the love in that? How about we have a cup of coffee and talk? Don't hate me from a distance. In preparation for this series, I took a look at some of the founding fathers who were ministers and other ministers in our nation before our nation became a nation, before, before, when we served England, before the Revolutionary War. The reason was is because the state of which we're in now mirrors a lot of what was happening before we fought the Revolutionary War. Polarizing positions, a fascist government system, disgruntled people, and calls to stand up against injustice. So it's happening all over. So I took a look at the Founding Fathers to see 
Maybe what was God laying on their heart as they were ministering? Maybe find a common thread, a, a common bond that would help give some wisdom on maybe you know, what God might be raising for us up in this day and age, the word he might have for us. And what I found is that some of our founding fathers were preaching that they had a God-given duty to stand up against tyranny. And I'm glad they preached that because I think the United States of America is the greatest nation that's ever walked the face of the earth. But some of the other ministers during that time, they didn't have that same philosophy. They were preaching peace. And looking at what was being taught, even back then, there was not a consensus in the body of Christ how to move forward. So we're not going to look at the founding fathers. We're just going to look at the Bible. Because people disagree. And my prayer is that the Spirit of God speaks to our hearts. And the Word of God has much to say about this day and age. And, and, and again, even convicting me about looking in this subject. The first thing I want to address as we work for peace, as we are called to be peacemakers, I want to address our relationship with our government. Because I think many of us are guilty of what we're about to read. Not honoring those in authority over us. You only honor if they wear the badge of your political party. In Romans chapter 13, Paul writes to the church of Rome. He says, everyone must submit to governing authorities. Amen. Did you catch that? Everyone, everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God... And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Amen. So anyone who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes, too, these, for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They're serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Two important things here. One, all authority comes from God. Amen. When Jesus was before Pilate and Pilate was about to hand him over, he's saying, don't you realize I have the authority to put you to death? And Jesus says, you have no authority but what you are granted from God the Father. You have nothing unless God gives it to you. Everyone in authority receives their authority from God. Number two, those who are in authority are placed there by God. That's right. Amen. Every first responder, every police officer, every government official, every local city official, every teacher, every boss you have at work, everyone who is in authority is placed there by God and has received their authority from God. So to rebel against the authority over you is to rebel against God.
What I love here, he says, the authority is over you and they have the power to punish you. So if you don't want to live in fear of being punished, don't mess up. Don't do what's wrong. Do you guys get like I do every time you're driving down the highway and you see a police car? Even if you're not speeding, does your heart flutter a little bit? You're like, <gasps> and you like want to tap the brake? Even if, why? Because you think you might be doing something wrong and there's a fear of getting caught and getting in trouble. Right? Well, that's what the authority is there for. It's there to bless those who are doing what's right and to correct those who are doing what's wrong. And here he's saying, live a life free of punishment and also a, having a clear conscience. You don't want that hanging over your head. You don't want to be constantly worrying about when they're going to find out and catch you in what you're doing. Because ultimately, you're not just rebelling against men, you're rebelling against God. See, I'm a firm believer that God gives you the leaders you need, not necessarily the leaders you want. I can honestly say our current president was not my choice. Things were going pretty well with the past administration. If you look at all fronts, the economy, diplomacy, we were energy independent. We were moving towards greater control over our cities despite all the opposition. I can't say it's going so well under the new president. Depending on the story or the scandal, it looks like Biden is trying to purposely undo the sovereignty of our nation. Regardless of what you think about him or his vice president, they were put there by God. And how we speak about them matters. How we speak about our authority matters. You can't love someone that you're hating at the same time. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. The body of Christ, believers, are called to a higher standard. And you can't love someone you're hating simultaneously. And you might say, and I've heard this directly from people, well, they stole the election. So they're a counterfeit president. They're not really my president. Oh, yeah? Let's revisit 2016, shall we? Hillary Clinton was a shoe-in on every network, in every facet. She was way up in the polls. And overnight, somebody named Donald Trump ended up being sworn in as president of the United States. Right. Counter to everything everybody was saying. When God chooses a man or a woman, Amen. nothing anyone can do will stop it. Thank you. Nothing. He's sovereign. He's in control. Nothing will keep his person out of office. What happened with Donald Trump? I really believe that God knew what he would do. And the church had been praying for healing, for restoration. And God gave us a window of three and a half years to see if our nation would repent. I don't think we did. Because we're going even further than where we were before. They're anointed for a purpose. And if it's to take our country down, it's because we have left the land polluted with sin. And just like Israel in their history, God promised if you pollute the land, it's only a matter of time before the land spews you out. Amen. This is a spiritual reality. It's not about Democratic Party. 
So if we don't like the policies of the president, if we don't like the policies of those who are in power, we should still honor them because of the position they hold and because of who put them in that position. The alternative is a rebellious heart and rulers punish rebels. And really, we're not rebelling against people. We're rebelling against God who put them there. In Matthew 5, 9, Jesus said, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the what? The children of God. James 3.18 says, those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. What's amazing about our nation, at least at this point, is there are constitutional rights, there are things within our, our government, our, our way of life that give us the ability to voice our displeasure without becoming dishonorable or rebellious. We can peacefully protest without rioting. Rioting is rebellious. But we can peacefully protest. And God has given us, graciously given us rights and other alternatives like voting people out of office. We don't like what they're doing. If you can't see the fact that certain groups go a certain way, don't vote for those groups. Vote according to your God-given conviction. Not only that, you can recall electors. Many have tried. You can even sue the federal government or sue the government or sue your business or sue people in court because of discrimination or other oppressive means. And it's not to get rich quick, but it's to level the playing field. So I'm not a lawyer, and honestly, I don't know much about the legal side of things, but I'm pretty sure that what's happening now violates HIPAA and our First Amendment rights. And it's a pretty strong case. If, if your doctor can't share medical information and it's not legal for anyone else to access your medical information without permission, how can an employer mandate you get a vaccine? I'm pretty sure that's a violation. And it's well within our rights to leverage lawsuits and allow for peaceful arbitration. Again, the goal for believers is to find a peaceful solution for what's happening. Amen. Not to take our employers for all they're worth. Your lawsuit's not to get rich so you don't have to work anymore. Right. Your lawsuit, lawsuit is for honoring and for creating a level playing field so that things can be the way they should be. We don't wage wars, we don't sling slander and hate. We submit to the laws and those who are in authority over us. But Pastor Joey, what if they mandate us to do something that violates our faith? Like, like the mark of the beast, where it's like, you can't, you can't be a Christian anymore. You must do something like this. And I would say Peter and John found themselves in a very similar predicament. They were preaching Jesus in the streets, and the Jewish religious leaders had them arrested for what they were doing, and they brought them before the council, and they commanded them not to preach Jesus' name anymore. And they were in authority in that land. They were in spiritual authority, which also had legal implications in the ancient world. But in Acts 4, 18 through 20, here's their response to the Jewish religious authority. It says, So they called the apostles back and commanded them, Never again speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling people, everyone, about everything we have seen and heard. In other words, what Peter and John told this group that's in authority is that man's law does not supersede God's law. Thank you. Thank 
So though they get their authority from God, they have a measure of authority. We should honor them. If we are commanded to do something that violates the word of God or what we know God desires for us, we honor God above man. God's law is superior. Now, if you think about the shutdowns, who enjoyed being shut down for months on end? Anybody? Oh, we're, we're more unified than we thought, you know, right? Shutdowns were terrible. I'm glad that we were only shut down for a couple months. Other people had it far worse. California? I'm glad I didn't live in California. But think about the shutdowns. The government communicated what to expect, and even though there were some things happened that I thought were a little fishy, it was weird that we couldn't gather for church, but Walmart could stay open, strip clubs could stay open, and yeah, do the research. Go look at it. Bars could stay open, but you couldn't have a Bible study in your house. You couldn't gather more than 10 people. Some things were awfully fishy. It didn't seem right, but I digress. They communicated what to expect, that it would be a limited amount of time, and then we could return to normal life. So it wasn't like they said we couldn't meet again ever. So it was right of us to follow the government because we could still meet online. We had online services. We could still communicate, still talk. We could still talk about Jesus freely. You could still post about your political opinions, you know, online and have that interaction and communication. So there are things that we could still do. And then, of course, we got to return back to normalcy. But if they had said, we're shutting it down permanently, no more church gatherings, and they start closing church buildings or burning buildings down like what's happening in Canada. Didn't know about that? You guys aren't listening to the right news. Churches are getting burnt down in Canada, closed down. Pastors are being arrested for preaching truth. If that stuff starts happening here, what do we do? I respectfully decline man's law, and I'm honoring God's law. Because I will honor the Lord over a man. Anytime man gets in the way of God's will, we submit to the Father. In Hebrews chapter 10 written in times of persecution where they couldn't meet for fear of being killed. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself as the manner of some is, but meet even more and more as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Gathering together as believers is not just something fun we do on the weekend. It's necessary for your spiritual life. You don't need to hear me teach. You need to get together and encourage each other and build each other up. You don't need to hear my wife lead worship and play the piano, but you do need to use your gifts to build each other up and strengthen each other. Because one will have a teaching, one will have a song, one will have a tongue. There are things that God will do among us when we gather together. Look at China. China is even altering the Bible so that it reflects doctrinally what they approve, government approved doctrine. They changed the story of the woman caught in adultery from rather Jesus saying, get up and sin no more, to Jesus actually stoning the woman and saying, I'm a sinner too. When governments get involved, they tend to go contrary to God's will. And so we have to rise up. We have to stay true to the Lord. 
And in the case of the vaccine, it's being mandated for certain venues and certain requirements, but not everyone. Not everyone has to get the vaccine right now. Not everyone. Some are being required. So we're in this place, this awkward, weird place, and the question is, do I take the vaccine or do I fight the vaccine? And many of you have probably already chosen which side you're on. Do I, do I take it or do I fight it? And some of you may have already taken the vaccine. So I want to answer both of these questions. And the answer is yes. To both of them. That's the answer. Depending on who you are and what your convictions are, there's a principle in the Bible that I call the principle of conscience. It's found in Romans 14. We're going to read it in a second. You see, we, like, we talk about this a lot. We like being religious because it's black and white. We're like, do this, don't do this. This area in the middle is really difficult to navigate. Uh, when we first opened the church, we um, were really like trying to break some of these religious molds that we were felt stuck in. And so when we were doing communion, we had real wine and grape juice. And of course, we had signs set up, wine and grape juice, so that people, you know, could go based on their conviction. And I had a, a guy come up to me one time. He's like, I can't believe you're serving real wine in the church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And what if this person has an alcohol problem? Because he did. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I can't believe, well, that's a temptation. You're being a stumbling block. And I was like, there's two kinds. There's two. If you have a conviction against wine, drink the juice. Well, I just don't think blah, 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 blah. It's like, this is why we have two. It's like, well, I can't come to a church that has wine. Well, I think they have grape juice down the road. And he left. But we like the cut and dry. Well, I think drinking alcohol is a sin, is it? Can't find that in the Bible. You can find being drunk in the Bible. You can't find drinking wine in the Bible. And I'm just going to tell you, if you think drinking alcohol is a sin, you better stay away from NyQuil or any medicine that has alcohol in it. I mean, seriously. That's what religion does. It makes you goofy. But we don't like this middle area. Anywhere the Bible says something specific, like this is sin, like murder. Can we agree? Murder's wrong, right? Lying is wrong. Stealing is wrong. Doesn't matter if the prosecutor in California is not going to prosecute theft anymore, causing businesses to be in chaos, it's still wrong. When the Bible's clear, we don't have to pray about that. We don't have to search our feelings for that. Man, is it, should I pray about moving in with my boyfriend or girlfriend? No. Why? God said, don't do it. You don't got to pray about what God says not to do. But when the Bible doesn't directly address an issue, then we have to search our conscience. We have to search our hearts. In Romans chapter 14, Paul is addressing eating meat offered to idols. And again, this is what happened. It was polarizing the church. When they would offer meat to idols, they would offer in a ceremony to demonic power. And so some believers, knowing that, thought, well, I'm, that, to partake it, that is wicked and sinful. But when they got done doing their thing, whatever was left over, they would take to the marketplace and sell as meat in the market. And you had other believers who were like, it's just meat. What's wrong with that? 
but it created disunity in the body of Christ, and they were fighting over it. So Paul had to address this in Romans chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. He says, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Can we, can we park there for a minute? Can we stop condemning each other? Because we're not 100% in agreement? Decide instead to live in such a way that you'll not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it's wrong, then for that person it's wrong. If someone believes it's wrong, then for that person it's wrong. Not everyone else. That person. If another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you'll please God, and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it, it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it causes another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they've decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. So in addressing this issue between should I eat or should I not, Paul is calling out those and he says they're weak in their faith. They're weak. They don't get it. It's just meat. So this is an area of weakness for them. Say, so don't condemn them for being weak. Just don't eat the meat in front of them. Don't, don't put a temptation in front of them. But then he also calls out those who are weak and says, just because this is your conviction, don't put that conviction on everybody else. Because it's your conviction. Don't judge those who eat. Don't judge those who don't. Each of you must search your own heart and follow what your conscience is telling you. If you believe it's wrong, don't do it because if you violate your conscience, it will be sin for you. If you don't believe it's wrong, you're blessed. It's not a sin. What is sin, though, is imposing your views onto someone else, causing them to violate their conscience. So when it comes to the vaccination, we can put the vaccine, this, this COVID vaccine in here. You have to go with your conscience. If you believe in your heart, you should not take the vaccine. Don't do it. If you believe in your heart, you should take the vaccine. Commit it to prayer. Stand on what you believe. If you don't think you should take it, commit it to prayer. Stand on what you believe and be ready to deal with the consequences. Be ready to deal with the persecution that might come with being faithful to what God wants you to do. And God will bless you for it. It might mean losing my job. 
Who gave you the job? It was Jesus. Who's going to give you another job? Jesus. Don't be afraid. We have a promise. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We have a promise of God. God will help you find a new job. And plus, there are laws in this land that are making it easy for these mandates to be contested in court. Use your rights, stand up for yourself in an honorable way, put feet to your faith, and watch God part the Red Sea right in front of you. Where is your faith? If you don't believe getting vaccinated is wrong, then go get your vaccination. But when you do, don't join the fray in calling the unvaccinated people germ spreaders, murderers, haters, and other disrespectful garbage that's floating through the media. Respect their convictions and honor them. Don't sin by defaming other people for following their convictions. And I would just put this challenge out there. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. God speaking to the nation of Israel. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We in this smartphone age have checked our brains at the door and have let our phones and Google tell us everything we need to know. Critical thinking and, and personal research is out the window. Like we even have, we have one of those Google Home devices. When I want to know what I want to wear for the day, I'm like, hey, Google. Yes. What's the temperature outside today? And it goes out and tells me. So that informs me about what I should wear. We do all this stuff through automation and artificial intelligence, letting the internet inform us of everything we should know. But are we hearing everything we should know? See, many of us are like blind sheep, just following the whims of anyone that seems to know more about a subject than you do. An unfortunate reality is that there's some pretty toxic chemicals in the vaccinations that they give us. You can go onto the CDC and download a copy of what's in many vaccinations. Did you know formaldehyde's in those? That's what they embalm dead people with. Some of them contain mercury, which makes you crazy. Aluminum. And yet we want to give these cocktails to babies when they just come out of their mother's womb? I mean, seriously. There's some stuff that we just do because somebody important says we should, and we don't think twice about it. Some material is cultured from aborted fetuses. And you're like, well, that's just, that's just rumor. Oh, yeah? Get ready. You see, when we don't do our own research, and more than one news source, like seriously, listen to more than one news source. All of the news is propaganda. All of it. If you're listening to CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, they are for the Democratic Party. They will not report things that should be reported, and they will spin what is reported to make them look good. If you watch Fox News, they are for the Republican Party. They will not report things that make them look bad, and they will only report what makes their party look good and spin it. I, I saw a report there that there's this big thing about people claiming Biden has like Alzheimer's and dementia, and, 
and you've probably heard that before, and, and there's something came through my YouTube feed that was saying, oh man, he was in this, this news um, conference, and he was speaking, and he just started calling for his mama. Like, he's lost his mind. He's calling for his mama. I watched it. He thought his mother was going to be in attendance, but she wasn't there. And so he greeted her online. He wasn't losing his mind in that moment. But the commentator was spinning the story to defame the president of the United States. It's both ways. So if you just take one set of facts, one set of news, and you don't look at the whole picture, you're going to be deceived. It's been reported by the media, even on the CD site, that COVID vaccines don't have fetal material. That they don't have any fetal material in them from aborted fetuses. I think it was this last year, the University of Pittsburgh was in an article on Newsweek magazine for an abhorrent practice that they were experimenting on aborted fetuses. They were taking five-month-old babies that had been aborted, removing their scalps, attaching them to rats so they could study the effect of skin disease. And the NIH, which is the organization Dr. Fauci heads up, approved and funded the research. They do these abortions through induction, so they induce the pregnancy in five months of pregnancy, so the baby will be born fully intact. They put the baby right on ice because it wouldn't be able to survive on its own. They then ship it to wherever it's going so they can harvest the liver and other material. That's disgusting. But these are the people in charge, the stuff that they're doing. Project Veritas went undercover with the Pfizer company, and a whistleblower has now come forward. And this is the, a clip of the interview on whether or not the current Pfizer vaccine was made from cultured aborted fetal material. I want you to watch this. I work at a pharmaceutical company. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Um, I just believe in research and Science. Well, in this database, you came across a chain of emails discussing fetal tissue and the COVID vaccine. Vanessa Gelman, who works in Washington, D.C., senior director of Worldwide Research, question came up as an inquiry to our MedInfo group. They're asking, quote, did Pfizer make use of a cell line from an aborted fetus? They want you to leave out the highlighted part, which is the one or more cell lines with an origin that can be traced back to human fetal tissue has been used in laboratory tests associated with the vaccine program. And here we have your badge. You are an employee of Pfizer? I work at the McPherson, Kansas plant. Um, it's one of the biggest plants in the operation of Pfizer. We produce some of the most units. This message from Vanessa Gilman. From the perspective of corporate affairs, we want to avoid having the information on the fetal cell lines floating out there. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit that we could see, particularly with general members of the public who may take this information and use it in ways we may not want it out there. We have not received any questions from policymakers or media on this issue in the last few weeks, so we want to avoid raising this if possible. Wow. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit we could see. They ought to put that on American currency. Philip Dormitzer, Vice President, Chief Scientific Officer. These are not low-level people here. So you're showing us emails between the Vice President of Pfizer, the Senior Director of Worldwide Research, 
-hmm. about how to couch it a certain way because we would not want to tell the people that it can be traced back to human fetal tissue. Copying Vanessa Gelman, we have an approved answer to this question, the question being about fetal tissue, mm -hmm. which Vanessa can probably provide, H-E-K-2932. What does that mean, HEC cells? Uh, human embryo kidney cells, okay. and it was from experiment 293. They've used cells from aborted fetuses. Yes, And they don't cells. want the public to know that. Yes. That's staggering for society because of what you said, religious exemptions. Mm -hmm. And they're denying our religious exemptions at Pfizer. This is serious stuff you're, you're, you're dealing with. I mean, these, are, these are powerful people and a very powerful company. They're withholding knowledge on people's approval if they can consent or not. From Sarah Elizabeth Weiser, the principal scientist. Uh, she's just making sure, you know, uh, just be clear, you would like medical information to reply with the text in red below, including the highlighted section. Okay. Thanks again. And then they responded, responded with, uh, with, no, I would prefer that we do not use the text <laughs> in yellow. Um, they're being so deceptive in their emails, it's almost like it is in the final vaccine. It just made me not trust it. There was an issue with the FDA. and I heard something about they're doing some sort of tests in there with lights, but I'm not sure. And I said, in unoccupied rooms and in a group lead office? And he goes, well, the FDA is coming. I could not believe that they were blacking out windows down in our manufacturing rooms. We are told that you should be seen at all times, that we need to make sure that yeah. um, we have high integrity and... The, the rooms that are like this one where you can see my reflection, it's a group lead office mm -hmm. where they just do the paperwork for the batches. Mm. So why does that need blacked out? And why did you decide to come to Project Veritas? Because I felt it was the right thing to do. I feel like I have no one else to turn to when my own company won't be honest with me. What I was told to do was to trust Project Veritas and to go with you guys by lawmakers, by lawyers. Really? I was really genuinely traumatized and sickened from the things I saw, and I needed to leave there. So I just took a leave of absence so that I could gather my thoughts and really kind of heal from this information. The extraordinary act of blowing the whistle on the company and publishing emails from their vice president is another step entirely. Are you, are you afraid of doing this? A little bit. I, I have faith that I'll be protected or whatever the outcome is is what it's supposed to be. So I, I'm at peace with it. I'm a little anxious on what they'll do or what they'll say, but it needs to be seen by the people because they're trying to get this to kids. And if they're being this deceptive about it, I don't feel comfortable being silent. I work at a pharmaceutical company. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. This is breaking news. And again, depending on what news source you go to, they're going to spin it or not report on it at all. The mainstream media's position is that there's no fetal material in the vaccines. But according to the whistleblower and evidence in the emails that she was able to retrieve, it was at least at the beginning stages of it, and the final product has come from it. And the way they're covering it up indicates that it might be in the final vaccine. So all I'm saying by showing you this is don't trust one source. Don't believe everything you hear. Look at multiple sources, see for yourself, and then make an informed decision. If someone wanted to vaccinate me with something that came from aborted fetal material, that would be a violation of my conscience. 
I'd have a huge issue with that. And if the company knows this and they're purposefully holding back the information to keep people from having a conscious rejection or abstention from it, then the question is, is can we really trust any of them? If our government knows this and are not holding people accountable, can we trust our government? The truth is that we can't live blindly any longer. If I took this vaccine and I didn't know what was in it and then I came to find out, I would have inadvertently violated my conscience simply because I took someone else's recommendation. And there'd be nothing I could do about reversing that decision. The damage would be done. So do your own research. Come to your own conclusions. Ask questions. Don't take the simple pleasantries and the first word from a medical professional, from the people that are in charge. And if your medical doctor doesn't know anything about this or the source or where it came from, then you need a second opinion. Trust the Lord to lead you. Commit it to prayer. And maybe you've been feeling like, man, I just have been feeling uneasy about getting the vaccine and I just didn't know why. Well, maybe now you know. Maybe now you know. This is the reason we have to let the Spirit of God lead us in our decision-making. We have to become educated and proactive. So what do I do about getting vaccinated? If it doesn't violate your conscience and you're informed in your decision, it's not wrong for you to do. But if you do feel like it's violating your conviction, don't do it because it'll be sin for you. And support each other in our decisions. And in this way, we can keep peace and unity in our church and lead the way in our communities, in our nation, to show how people with opposing ideas and convictions can still walk in unity and in love. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And I think in a time like this, it's imperative that we walk out what Jesus' vision for the church is and that we pray together. Something powerful and unifying about the body of Christ coming together and praying. And so I'd like us to spend some time corporately praying over this issue, over the government's push to mandate the vaccinations, over exposing people who are not acting in good faith and character, such as... Pfizer, protecting people that need to be protected, protecting our constitutional rights, and guarding our hearts from being divided and being filled with hate for people that disagree with us. And so I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward, and anyone that has been with our Sunday night prayer night, we're going to turn this room into our Sunday night prayer, prayer night. And I'm going to ask the prayer music to go ahead and, and come on as it begins to play. And I'm going to ask our prayer team or anyone who, who's come to our Sunday night that would like to lead us in prayer to uh, lead us from the microphone. But those of you that stay in your seat, I want you to get with who's around you. If you're alone and you feel comfortable, maybe slide over and, and get with another group. But begin praying. First off, ask God, God, what would you have me to do? Is this for me? Is this not for me? Begin praying, God, 
let your light shine in this nation. Put an end to the mandates that are forcing people to violate their conscience. Father, we ask you to intervene in our nation, that you'd restore unity and hope, that we'd be one nation under God once again, that we'd value the rights of every human being. And God, guard my heart from becoming bitter and angry against my government. Help me honor those who are in authority. And we just invite us to go into a time of prayer. And I encourage you, pray out loud. Fill this house with your voice. Pray out loud wherever you are. There's power in our words. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. So let's call on heaven together. Let's release our prayers to the Lord. If you've been bitter against your government, if you've been hateful towards our current administration, repent. Ask God's forgiveness and ask him to give you a love for your leaders. You may not agree with their decisions, but you can still love them because they're made in the image of God. And begin praying for them that God would get a hold of their hearts. The Bible says the hand of the or heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Biden's not in charge, Jesus is. Begin praying for his heart, praying for Kamala Harris, pray for our Congress, our House of Representatives and begin praying and interceding on behalf of our nation. In just a little bit, I'll close this in prayer. Let's pray. Uh, this comes as a challenge as the Spirit just keeps telling me it's the goodness of God that leads one to change. It is your goodness of God that leads one to change their ways. And Lord, uh, being a peacemaker is tough it's tough to be. It's tough to be a peacemaker in, in these times right now. And I confess to you that I, uh, I'm not uh, happy with our current situation. And the message this morning is that it has to be love. And Lord, if we're really loving people, we have to set aside our own bias. We have to set aside our anger and our displeasure and we have to submit it to you and if that brings you honor and if that brings you the glory then so be it you're who we're living for 
and we love you and we'll do our best for you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for being, uh, Father, thank you for loving us. Lord, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind, Lord. I speak that, I pray that scripture over us today, Lord. And just, Lord, help us, help us rest in your goodness. I echo uh, the prayer, prayer that was prayed, Lord, uh, that we would just rest in your goodness, Lord. You are good even when we're not good. And Lord, just give us perfect peace. Your perfect peace. Your in love and power and the sound mind by your spirit in these times, Lord Jesus, in your name, amen. With our government, that we should be submissive, Lord. And, and I repent. I repent of my position that I've had on the leaders, Lord. And I, and I pray that those in this room continue to repent with me, Lord, that, um, that we can be humble to you and do your work. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus.
just let our prayers cry out to the Lord this morning. Jesus, we just ask that you would just give us a spirit of unity. We ask that you would break us free from all um, divisive thoughts in the name of Jesus. We pray for a spirit of humility over your church. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes and open our mouths and ears and our hearts to advocate in a way that would be pleasing to you. Jesus, to use our voice in a way that would be heard, but also pleasing to you, Jesus. We just repent for all um, spirit of anger. We ask that you would give us a spirit of love and intercession for our leaders. There's scripture all over telling us to obey our authority and to pray for them. It didn't say to be their best friend. It didn't say to agree or if we agree or only if they're Republican or <laughs> you just told us to respect authority and to pray. So we just ask that you'd fill our mouths with words and prayers for our leadership. And we pray that you would encounter them. Jesus, we pray that you would encounter our governor. We pray that you would encounter Harris and Biden and all those that surround them, that are grooming them, that are using them, manipulating them. And Jesus, we just ask that you would continue to uproot all the false justice systems Jesus, we pray that your truth would prevail, that you would open the eyes of the lost and the deceived in the name of Jesus. We just pray that you would um, encounter all those that are part of the pornography and trafficking, um, all the all the political and um, arena and the entertainment arena, Jesus. <clears throat> we know that they are always trying to push their hidden agendas and um, unbiblical things that just make our stomachs churn with just hurt and disappointment and fear. But Jesus, we just pray against those things. We just give those things all to you, Jesus. We pray that you would just take away those fears, that you would give us your peace that surpasses all understanding, because we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. And we ask that you would help us to gaze and fix our eyes upon you, Jesus, even in the darkest of times, because we know that there's gonna be times where all we have to see that is beautiful is your face and your glory and your truth. Jesus, we pray that you would give us a new armor, Jesus, that would take us and carry us into this unique season, Jesus, that you have for us. We pray that the arrows would just deflect right off of our armor, that we wouldn't be easily stirred, easily moved, easily offended. Jesus, we pray for an unoffended heart so that we may minister with a pure heart, Jesus. And you know who is all entangled 
and the big web of deception and control and manipulation and exploitation in our leadership and the political arena and the entertainment business, Jesus, all throughout the world, Jesus. We pray that you would remove the scales from their eyes. Jesus, if you can turn a Saul into a Paul, you can do anything. And so we pray that you would give us the strength to endure, to persevere, even in times of trials. We thank you that you can turn trials into testimony. We thank you for that this is a preparation that you're setting. Um, this whole season has just been a setup, a trial run for what's to come and a great harvest. And we thank you for that. We thank you that you are tenderizing people's hearts. We thank you for those that are starting to feel like they need you because they're starting to feel hopeless and confused and they need someone and something to hang on to Jesus. And we want to be um, right before you and we want to be that anchor um, for them through you, Jesus. And so we just even surrender all of our fears to you, Jesus. We know that fear doesn't mix with light. And so we ask that you give us a spirit of discernment that would um, give us wisdom to know what is truth and to know what is deception and what is twisted truth so that we can proclaim your truth to those that are lost and deceived. Thank you.